Hey everybody, it's Drew. And it's Blake. And you're listening to the Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Controllers podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 37. Real quick, all of our social media stuff, you can, with the entire name of the podcast, you can find us uh, with the group on Facebook, as well as on Spotify, and on Spotify you can find Drew's playlist. Our, our actual, not just the group, our actual Facebook page is more, if you just search the whole thing, the Facebook page will come up to like and then you can join the group through that i think okay is yeah. it free admin or or is it free or do you have to i'm not sure do if you I'm... vet the people before you i don't remember okay that's fine <laughs> and we also have the word two smoking controllers for our twitch channel reddit and we're now doing a discord discord server yeah and speaking of Twitch, we've been doing quite a bit of that on the weekends lately. Mostly the co-op stuff we've been playing. Uh, a couple of things. We did our... We twitched our entire playthrough of Code Vein. Well, as far as we made it, we'll talk about that eventually. And then I think just recently we did our... The entirety of playing a game called Moving Out. We played the entire game in one sitting. One sitting. So thanks you, thank you for everyone who tuned in. Uh -huh. And then for the number two smoking controllers is the Instagram that I mostly take care of, as well as the email that you can contact us on for questions or comments. Yeah, and the the difference between the Facebook page and the Instagram is really just on the Facebook page. I try to um, post uh, just the goings on, like when we recorded, when it comes out. Uh, we've been trying to post videos for we recently because we're slow. We figured out how to post videos from our Xboxes onto the Facebook page. So I've done one or two of those. Um, and Blake uses the Instagram to post. He likes to post the art and stuff like that from concept, concept art, art and, stuff and like other, that. other cool things uh, from video games onto the Instagram page. So it's pretty neat. Uh, I do believe that's everything. I think so. Oh, the, uh, the Spotify playlist. Oh, okay. I thought, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And just the whole, uh, when you look for the podcast on Spotify, you'll also find the playlist which features all the songs of all the bands that we've uh, featured so far band. I've actually not even added the last band yet I need to do that uh, I might do it right now while you're when you're talking about one of the games you lazy mofo yeah I'm pretty lazy and, and uh, the last thing is reddit which I, I never used because nobody ever ever really joined it I, I, I don't even think Blake joined the reddit page I think I did I, I'm an administrator I think uh, that's probably, I can switch yeah. to it on my phone yeah reddit was reddit would uh, it would kind of work just like Facebook but a little I think I like Reddit better than Facebook. Uh, a lot of the time, I do. Um, but uh, you gotta eat. But the thing about Reddit, you gotta have people on it to do anything with it. So, exactly, it's there if we ever get around to using it. All right. Uh, today's episode's a little, a little weird. It's a, I, I guess, a half and half GameFly episode because <laughs> it's a game. It's GameFly games that we got, but 
both of them, only one of us beat, though we both did play with the intention of beating it. Mm-hmm. But we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. The, the first game we're going to tackle is the first-person episodic survival horror game, Bendy and the Ink Machine. Bendy and the Ink Machine was developed by Kindly Beast, also known as Joey Drew Studios Incorporated. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they have two names. I think one's just a joke and one's... The real studio. Or I think they're both the real studio, but one look, just looks better on paper. I don't know, but then all game studios have weird names, so I don't know why they have two. Well, Joey Drew's the studio inside the game. So, so yeah, maybe. that may have been why. Yeah. Uh, they were also, Kindly Beast also published the game, so they're developer and publisher. But one cool side note is for consoles, for the console release of the game, uh, Rooster Teeth helped uh, publish it for console. Yeah. Actual they, Rooster Teeth. They've published a couple of games. That's usually, usually smaller ones, yeah. I didn't think that was still pretty cool, though. Mm-hmm. And as I, I said earlier, it is episodic. Five chapters, five episodes. Yeah. I think I think it was episodic release on PC, but what we played was a. Uh, it didn't even really. It didn't seem episodic when you play it on console. No, it, it was just kind of like kind of flows right on through itself. Yeah, so you can get it as of uh, late basically as of Halloween 2018. Mm-hmm. You can get the complete. You can buy it complete yeah. as well as episodically, yeah. and then a month after that, they put it on console. Hmm. So. It's av- it should be available. I believe it's available everywhere. Switch, PlayStation, PC, everywhere. Xbox. Yeah. Um, do you want to start us off? Uh, no, you got, you got notes and stuff. I always, I always just kind of go off my memory because I'm, I'm lazy with notes. Okay. It's a, as I said earlier, it's a first-person survival horror. Mm-hmm. And they, it has a gorgeous atmosphere. Gorge, uh, gorgeous aesthetic I think yeah. it's an art style, how it all comes together. The entire game is it's sepia, right? Sepia-toned? A little bit. I think that's the entire game. It's, like, it's not black and white. It's all sepia, I do believe, mm-hmm. with thick, thick, rich darks. Mm-hmm. And so basically what happens at the beginning of the game is you play a character named uh, Henry, mm-hmm. who at one point in time worked at the Joey Drew Studios. Yes, which which is a... Uh, a cartoon uh, developer, pretty much. It's just a whole bunch of artists that make work together and make cartoons. Yeah. Specifically, their famous one, Bendy. And their timeline goes is, uh, I think the the height of Bendy was in like the 1930s, mm-hmm. and this guy receives an invitation in the late in like the 1950s. It's been, not, it's been not, many years sure. yeah, since sure he the, left. I'm not sure of the time frame. I only know that because of like reading the Wikipedia and stuff and list and you know all the audio logs talk about times and stuff. Mm-hmm. So he basically receives an invitation from his old employer saying, "Hey, you should, you know, when you come back to town, you should come check us out and see what we've done with the place." Mm-hmm. And then that's where things get wonky. Yeah. You kind of it kind of comes back to a, a completely empty 
empty studio and how do you can't, you basically just kind of wander around you're kind of you're somewhat somewhat aimless i mean you, you kind of know like, you're kind of just poking around an empty studio before you, before you start going down below it you you look yeah you're looking for Joey's office because yeah. no one was there to greet your reception and then there was you just walked yeah. around trying and the to the game find starts with you walking in the the front door yeah. of the studio yeah it's uh very noticeable from right as you kind of walking around the first area that uh and by the time period that this game is uh immensely influenced by BioShock Oh, definitely. Death, uh, heavy like Bioshock. Staggeringly game. influenced. We've played a bunch of other company games from companies that have been influ- influenced by Bioshock. I mean, uh, everything that um, Arcane Studios makes is oh, Bioshock influenced. Yeah, dishonored. All the, this and dishonored. All and then uh, their Prey game are basically just Bioshock games with a different coat of paint over them. Well, unfortunately, they did help with Young Bloods, and that didn't go over so well. Yeah, I don't know if we talk about Young Bloods on the we podcast, yet. but Young Bloods probably isn't very Bioshock influenced. Because, but that wasn't just them by themselves. There was an association with. Yeah, we'll but uh, I've probably some other things off the top of my head. But Arcane was definitely heavily influenced, but though influenced, uh, it didn't quite have the feel of this game. I never played a game like this, and I I hate to give this game too much. Not not that this game is bad, but I hate to give this game too much credit because it's not the same kind of game as Bioshock really, but I've never had a game that had such that kind of held on to uh, kind of the atmosphere of what Bioshock has. Like you really could almost feel like you're playing the first Bioshock game. You kind of get that feeling and when you're looking around, like this place don't even look like Rapture really. I mean, there, I mean, there's pipes on the walls and weird stuff happening, but there's long stints of quiet and then you see people walking around, you hear whispering and all the kind of things you had in the first Bioshock, but and the constant dripping of yeah, like, dripping of the I guess maybe dripping of the pipes. I mean, it maybe adds to the atmosphere of the the Bioshock feeling. But it's weird. I did not know when I, I we didn't know anything about this game when we got it. Honestly, so I was not expecting a such a uh, such a Bioshock uh, aesthetic from the game. And that goes all the way into the the time period, obviously, and then you listen to the audio logs, which just sound like Bioshock audio logs. From the the various people who worked in the studio. Yeah, I, I, Drew was saying, um, even with uh, I mentioned this a minute ago about the leaky pipes and how they brought like the whole aesthetic. One of the creepy things about the game is it's not dripping water. Yeah, it's dripping ink that yeah. is being fed through the entire building. Yeah, from the aforementioned ink machine. Yeah. <laughs> And that's what builds crescendos to a crazy opening moment, or like the ending of the chapter one. Mm-hmm. Getting up, getting to the machine. Because the whole point was you have to jumpstart the machine because you're finding these notes that say, hey, turn the machine on. And you're like, I guess I'm supposed to turn the machine on. Yeah. It's a little aimless in yeah, your there's, objectives there's no, there's, Yeah, you don't really meet anybody who's telling you to do that. He just do... Henry just assumes, I guess. He sees a machine and... Well, because it, there is a lot of voice. Everything in the whole game is voice. There's no... Yeah, it's just audio logs, mostly. I mean, you talk to some actual people. A few people, yes. Later. Now, I didn't actually get to finish the game. Yeah, you going to go to that already? <laughs> well, I'm going to do that, and then we'll talk about, like... Because you can talk about more than I can. Mm-hmm. I didn't actually get to finish the game, 
However, I played all the way through chapters one, two, and I got to the very end of three. Mm-hmm. It's five chapters total. Mm-hmm. It's five chapters total. I had a. I was. We'll say you know I was. What's the word for? Going against one of the creatures known as the projectionist. Mm-hmm. Very cool, creepy. Loved the vibe. It was awesome. And I had to search for these particular items, these ink hearts or something, which are actually their their positioning. The game doesn't even tell you. And then we had we had a, we had a bit of a walkthrough too. I don't think the guy in the walkthrough realized that the ink hearts is positions is, is a randomly 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 placed inside that maze. And so I was confused going in, and I died once or twice. Well, more than. And then I managed to find four of these five ink hearts. And I got good at dodging the projectionist, and I ran around for 20 minutes, 30 minutes maybe, and it, my fifth ink heart was not in the maze where it was supposed to be. And then I, I get, got caught by the projectionist, died, revived back, at the outhouses. Out, out, out at the outhouse, yeah. Outhouses are kind of like the Vita chambers of Bioshock. And as I once I revived, the game goes, "All right, you've now collected five ink hearts. Go back to the person you need to turn them into." And I was like, "No, I didn't. Well, what is happening?" So I ran back down to the through the maze, did a quick run through, and nothing was in there again. And I was like, "Okay, I'll go back to where I'm supposed to be." So I go back up the elevator. I'm, I go to turn my quest into the person who gave it to me in order to end the chapter. And the person goes, hey, I'm not going to talk to you anymore until you bring me all five of the ink hearts. And I was like, okay, let me just go walk over to this uh, item deposit thing. I think it was like a trash can or a mailbox. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't activate. And it just wouldn't let me move forward. So I was like, okay, let me just re- restart the game. That didn't work. Tried that like one or two more times. Restart the Xbox. Didn't turn the game back on. That didn't work. Even uninstalled the game. Reinstalled it and sunk it. And it still wouldn't let me move forward. Luckily, and the game has a chapter skip option. I was like, you know what? Chapter select. Chapter select. I'm at the very end of the chapter three. If I miss, you know, one cutscene, it's no huge deal, I guess. So I go to jump to chapter four. The game tells me that it won't save my progress. And I thought that that was strange. So I was like, you know what, let me, I don't know what that entirely means. Maybe I have to like make it to a save point or beat something. And I start, I start chapter four and I played for, I don't know, I don't know, half hour maybe. I made it past at least two of the checkpoints, two of the save points and checkpoints. The save points of the game are actually like old school clock-in stations yeah, with pun- the little punch, punch, punch cards. Punch cards, yeah. And so I made it to those, and the entire time I'm playing, I'm not seeing the save symbol. Yeah. Shouldn't be surprised, though. I told you I wasn't going to save. I know, but I was just like, maybe if I got to like a certain point, something would happen, and it would like auto-update my thing. Yeah. And I wouldn't, and it, it wouldn't, and I just didn't want to sit there and have to play through the entire game. I, also, I was also worried that because it wasn't saving, I wasn't going to get achievements. I have no idea. Because if it's not saving, how does how does, you know... How would it know? Well, the achievement, the achievement system itself tracks outside of the video game. Sometimes. Yeah. Because sometimes they're triggered by saves and reloads. You could have done the chapter four in one sitting and then one night and then did chapter five the next day. It may have actually seen the rest of the game. But I was just, I was annoyed by the glitch of the game and I was just, 
do you want to talk about this about the how good episodes one and two are yeah it um it could be a matter of, of opinion but i i did play through the 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 entire game um the i feel like the the vibe and the actual um this game isn't particularly scary as it is uneasy i guess and you're really uneasy on the first one or two chapters when you're uh, before you really meet anybody, I feel like it, I don't. I can't remember if you meet anybody. If you meet um, the dude in chapter, is he in chapter two? Who Boris? No, Boris. No, the guy that actually talks to you. Samuel. Maybe it's Samuel. Maybe it's, I think the it's guy Samuel Davis. Maybe. I think it's Samuel Davis. So I feel like the game even before him, the game uh, is actually more uneasy and uh, more atmospheric when you're not speaking to anybody. If that makes sense, like the 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 the, wor- the the level design and then the the soundtrack and stuff like that and the audio, the general audio uh, make you feel more uneasy than it, it really when you actually. Um, it's like in a monster movie before, like it's scarier until you see the monster and you're like, oh, that's what it is. Yeah, kind of. Your imagination, your in your imagination is always scarier. Yeah, what you when can't you see, see things, is always scary. Yeah, when you what see you see things see. walking around that you got to avoid. Like one of the first things you fight are just these uh, ink dudes that come out of ink, and you kind of look like heartless. In all honesty, a little bit. Yeah, you just kind of whap them with a. What do you have a? What's it? A wrench or a hammer or something? I forget. What you have I honestly think it's. I think it's a monkey. It's not a monkey wrench. I think it's a um, a crescent wrench. Crescent wrench. You just kind of whack. He, you just whack the little ink dudes with the thing. And they go. Woo. No, it's an axe. It's a fire. Oh, you have the axe. Yeah, first. that's what it is. You, you have, have the, the axe, axe first. You know, yeah. So you kind of just whack them a couple of times, and they're actually not—they're not scary One at all. Um, and then you fight. Actually, sorry, they don't look like heartless. They look like um, the slime gels from Monster Rancher because they, they don't have any legs and they walk across them. I was mistaking them for another creature that looks like mm-hmm. the heartless that you fight later yeah, on. A little bit, yeah. Sorry. Um, uh, a lot of the things you actually end up. Uh, fighting um, aren't very scary. You end up either fighting. There's the little ink dudes. Then there's the the gang. I forget what they're called. The something gang. You probably you remember them. Well, yeah, the 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 construction gang or the something like that. There was like pissed. They, they have a name, but uh, because there's like there a, other there's some other characters from the from the Bendy cartoons. They but they come out of the because of the ink. They come out. They the, the ink like manifests them as little dudes. They're they're kind of creepy looking, but all they do is kind of run at you and kind of hit you. You just have to axe them to death. It's not very, very, uh, very scary. And then you have, like Blake mentioned, the projectionist, which is something you run from, which you can actually take him down if you have the machine gun. Yeah, I heard about that. But yeah, I there wouldn't. is a t- you temporarily. The game's not a first-person shooter like Bioshock is, but you do temporarily. If you do a series of a request for a person, they do give you a machine gun and don't for die. a short period of time. Yeah, you gotta not die, which uh, I got the I got the machine gun, which makes the projectionist even less threatening. He really just chases you, is what he does. Uh, and then the main thing in the game, which you deal with throughout the later portions of, and the rest of the game basically, is the ink demon, which is pretty much Bendy the ink demon. Uh, which all he does is chase you and kill you. Like it's just you just run away from him. Uh, creep, uh, scary at first, but like any kind of horror game, when you have this kind of thing to deal with, uh, you kind of you get used to it, and it becomes less threatening, and you know how to get away from it or how to 
it just becomes a nuisance and you're like, oh, I'm just going to have to go, You're trying to go somewhere. We never talked about it, but uh, in a way, uh, it's almost like alien isolation when you're trying to, alien, alien isolation. When you're trying to do something and the alien shows up, you're just like, <sighs> I got to hide under this table for the next five minutes while it walks around making noise. Making noise, yeah. Uh, the only difference about the, the main difference for Bindi is that if you just run to uh, an outhouse, Bendy will just walk away and be done with you. And that's it. That's it. It, it. it doesn't like poke around and look at you. You said he reached in and grabbed you one time. He never well, did that well, to me. I was in the animation of opening the door to go into the yeah. outhouse, and he grabbed me before I was inside. Hmm. And that's that's how my first death happened. I thought you were safe in, in the animation because I've had him. I've been chased by him, and I've run and run at the outhouse. And as the camera spun around, he just kind of goes and spins and walks away. Yeah. I thought you were safe in the animation. I never got caught by him. I got caught a bunch immediately. And I, I, cause, well, I had, I didn't know what was happening at first. I, I, cause this, we hear the heartbeat and the world got all bendy. I was like, okay, this is kind of a cool ambience thing. And then I saw Bendy and it was too late. I didn't know without what was happening. What was happening? Does he run or is he he like a Jason slow walk? It's a slow walk that turns into like a, a, like a, gaping galloping like one like he's taking long steps at you but yeah. he's not running but he covers a lot of distance fairly quickly yeah and i get i mean he is creepy looking and he uh you didn't see it at the very end if you beat the game you get to go to a um do you want spoilers or that well it's, it's no it's, it's not a big thing it's like a it's like a um, um like a trophy room oh okay and in the trophy room is kind of like a concept area and you can see all the different concepts as the because episode because the game was released like you said in episodes and then they changed things in the episodes as they were as, as they were developing so you could see some of the old concepts of what of the different different variants of that bendy had went through which we only see the final version in the main game but yeah. you could see the if you played pc you probably saw a bunch of versions yeah um, but you, but in the concept area, you can see the different the different variants of the Ink Demon, what it looks like, and cool stuff like that. But the version we get is just a. If you look at the art for the game, you'll see what Bendy looks like. But this is more of like a. Uh, like a tall dude with a Bendy face, and it's kind of covered in ink and it's like dripping and dripping oozing ink, down. Yeah, which apparently it wasn't one of the variants. Is they didn't always have the uh, the uh, the technology or the right. Uh, coding yet to have the the running ink so there's a variant of bendy that's just kind of static and then there's the like the final bendy that has the running ink it's kind of cool how they they figured stuff well, out that's awesome it. yeah is that like a different physics engine or processing i think it's just a matter of uh, a matter of coding like they just haven't got yeah. it right yet for one version the next version oh they figured it out and he has a, he has an extra layer of uh like rendering, animation yeah, and render, animation. yeah rendering yeah so it's pretty neat i mean it could, all in all I said the atmosphere was wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but for me, uh, I played episodes one and two and it was most of three and most of three. Well, all of three, pretty much. Three is, uh, the elevators up, up and down multiple floors, which is it, a total drag. It is you just, it's fetch, fetch quest. You're fetching items for a person, another person, which we don't, we don't have to go into the characters. It's a, it's a woman. We can a little bit. There's a total, there's very few characters in the game. But this is one of the few semi uh benevolent beings. She's Angel. That's her name. A- a- Angel. Good. Angel Alice, I think her name yeah. is. Or Alice Angel. She was the voice actress for the other. Yeah, that's, that's her actual name. The actual voice actress was named uh, 
Lacey Benton. The character's name was Angel. Angel Alice. Oh, okay. I thought, well, she, she works for the company there. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a video game company and then an artist company. She worked for the company that, that created Bendy, and she was the voice for the character. Angel Alice, I guess. And then she... Uh, and then her, I mean, who knows if she's even physically there at this point with all the ink and the demons and like, was, like, was she even really there? Or was this all hallucination? Oh yeah. Was she manipulated by the by the ink as well? But she's there, and you see a lot of uh, a lot of art and different things and stuff for that uh, angel Alex. She was like Bendy's little compatriot, I guess. And some his of the, mini, some of the, his Daisy, yeah, his, yeah, his little stuff his little, like that. Little girlfriend, I guess, for the Bendy cartoons. I do, um, but you're doing. But all of chapter three is literally just fetching items for her. I will spoil one thing that uh, I mean, you, I'm, I assume most people hate chapter three. If you make PlayStation, they're gonna hate chapter three. I think it's notorious. Um, and you're just you're just really going up and down floors fetching items for her, and it literally comes to nothing. There's there's no point in it. Like she doesn't do anything. It may lead to like that little story sequence later, but like, um, you but, do all of it. You literally do all the favor for it so you can use the elevator and go down into chapter four. Yeah. She basically. rules the like, chapter that floor. Chapter three is longer than the rest of the game put together, I feel like. And, it, and it's a total, total drag. It's such a it's, like a wrench in the gears or whatever. Yeah, it just it comes to a screeching halt. One of the worst uh bits of fill I've ever seen in a video game. Uh Fluff. They were just really Fluff, trying yeah. to make the game longer, and it didn't need it at all. Nothing interesting happens in Chapter 3. You're literally just going to different floors and walking around, grab this item, and run back. Go to this floor, grab this item, and run back. All while, like, doing... And you're running from... The, like, one floor will have the projectionist. One floor will have Bendy. You know, and there's an obscene amount... One floor has the gang on it. Of you know? combat. There's an obscene well, combat, amount of combat. Running, usually, I guess. Well, you run from the projector, and you run from... Bendy. Bendy, but you have to, have to fight the you gang. have to fight the gang. You have oh, to fight oh, the ink puddles. You have to fight the the. Uh, there's another creature. I forget what they're called. I don't remember uh, another creature. I thought there was. Maybe I'm. Maybe it was just one of the gang members. But you fight them multiple times. There's and, three different gang members. And they all look different. They, but yeah. they, they they just run at you and hit you. Is all they do. Yeah, but I just but chapter three. I mean, some you already had a. You were sick of playing the game by the end, probably. Yeah. Because I, I'm, I'm, like I've said before, I'm not really good at like stealth stuff. Mm-hmm. And not a very good stealth game. No, yeah, not really. But like, being able to like sneak around corners and stuff like that, and I'm just. Yeah, um, I don't regret uh, playing the game all the way through, but I don't either. But I regret, regret. I will regret. I regret that I didn't finish it, but I'm also kind of glad I didn't finish it. Yeah, because I was what I'm about to say is uh, I don't regret playing it all the way through, um, but the game to me the game peaks in the first two chapters. Uh, anything of interest, anything of what the the like I said before the tone, the atmosphere, everything about the game of what the game is going to is going to what the game is going to give you that's going to be interesting and creepy and just unnerving, it's all going to peak in chapter two. That's just that's just how the game is. Like you don't really see, you see other stuff. And there's other boss. There's other boss fights. I won't spoil some of the other boss fights. And then the, there's a final boss. Of course, it's just not creepy. It's just big and loud and kind of annoying. 
uh, relatively easy to stand out of the way of. Like you don't you don't even really fight it. Like you don't you know you don't know you don't know the last boss, but like yeah. you don't even really really fight it. And there's story and stuff like that, but like you kind of gather what the story beats of what happened at the building to the first two chapters. I mean, if you just list a couple audio logs and look around the, uh, there's a bunch of environmental storytelling of things lying around. I mean, they just, they needed the, 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 whatever company wasn't doing good. So they summoned a demon to help popularity and it didn't go well. Go figure. (laughs) It never does when you make bargains with the uh, dark ones. Yeah. So like, it's really, I mean, once you figure out that they summoned a demon to help with their floundering company, there's nothing more to that story. There really isn't, and you find that out pretty early. Uh, chapter three adds nothing to that. Um, there's other characters in chapter four and chapter five, but the gist of the story is that they summoned a demon to help the company, and that everyone and you, it backfired. And everyone that you interact with, though they may call themselves another name, the projectionist, Angel, Boris, so on and so forth, they're all people who have been su- susceptible or that were. Subsepted is the word. Yeah, I mean, uh, they were um, taken control of by the ink and Bindi and became a creature from, or a being, entity from the actual Bindi cartoon. Yeah, it's very, very strange. Uh, That said, the the game itself isn't very long. You might as well play it all the way through if you want to see it all. Yeah. Uh, If you want to see all the characters, experience the the entire world. Um. If you're going for the 1K, which me and Drew didn't get, I didn't get because there's some stupid crap. There's a um, which ruins everything. Is uh, there's a part where you walk through where they've the company has designed a um, there's like a mock-up for a fairgrounds. Mm-hmm. Is that chapter late chapter two? Maybe no. You got to it, didn't you? Fairgrounds. I think fairgrounds were four. We go to Bendy Land. I think that's chapter four. So you never got to. You never I, got st- to. I was going into it, and then I just stopped playing. But Bendy Land is in chapter four. Okay, so so you, you just so what there what is there is that's a long uh, a long chapter two. Actually, has a pretty cool pretty cool boss. But what is there is the annoying thing that games do sometimes. Where you there's a lot of games video games out there where you'll visit amusement parks of some sort. And God forbid if people don't don't tie achievements to the random attractions. And oh, one of those is like darts or balloons or yeah. or uh, shooting targets with a pellet gun, which this game is not a shooter and the pellet gun thing does not work that well. And there goes my 1K because uh, it wanted a absolute a perfect game of the pellet gun for an achievement, and I was I tried like four times and I was like, this isn't happening. I'm not sitting here for eight hours with a pellet gun trying to accidentally get this perfect. And that would, and that tossed my 1K right out the window right there. Well, that and you were going to have to play through twice because there's a decision to... Oh, yeah, there's a decision. There's a, there's a split in the game where you choose Bendy or Alice. I think at the very beginning of Chapter 3. I guess, but and also, as far as I know, a choice that comes to nothing. Like They, like, they like split and then loop back around to each other and nothing happens. Yeah. Because I chose the path of Bendy because the guy, the guy was like, if you take the path of Bendy... Where it takes you, I guess, leads to other achievements. Leads to more, yeah. More achievements. I was like, cool, I'll go that way. I think that's before I even got to the the carnival area. Yeah, because it would have been at the start of Chapter 3. Yeah, so I did that, um, which would involve you. Apparently, you don't have to replay the whole game. You had to go, go you get Chapter Select to that part and go to the path of Alice, and it'll just give you the Alice achievement. 
which is dumb. Um, but there's also, I think, an audio log on the Alice side. So, you, so, so I don't, I don't get all the audio logs because I don't, I don't take the Alice side. You got to collect these cans of food. Cans of beans that serve no purpose whatsoever. Yeah, they don't do anything. Uh, they were a reference to a cartoon that you've never seen because the cartoon doesn't actually exist. Yeah, they're all over the they're all over the game. Uh, tons of them for no they're reason. They're annoyingly hard to get. Yeah, some of them. There's one in the very first you can miss in the very first at the literally the end of the very first chapter, which I both I missed. And I think you missed too. And I tried twice. You tried twice. Uh, so I knew I wasn't getting that achievement because I missed one of the cans in the first chapter. It's really bad. Like you are running into a you're into a room, and um, the can you got to grab the can as the cha- like as literally as the chapter's ending. Like the screen's fading to black. You're supposed to find this can as the screen fades to black, and I couldn't find it because you have you literally have three or four seconds to find it. And I was like, well, not getting that achievement. I thought I would. I thought if I got the rest of the achievements, I would just go back to the first chapter and grab that one can, but then the pellet gun thing threw all that whole thing out the window. I really wish in video games we would get past pointless collectibles. It ain't gonna happen. It serves, they serve no purpose. It doesn't unlock concept art. It literally does nothing, but you collect beans. It's not like at the end of the game you're like, oh, these beans are a weapon or anything. It is a pointless collectible that serves no purpose. You had to go out of your way to design that when you could have spent more time making a better story or in making less combat and more like cool environmental scares or something. Yeah. But they wasted time placing these in inappropriate, not inappropriate, in really hard, uncon- inconceivable ways to catch. Because like you said, it's not a first-person shooter, but you have to use your cursor and get these things, but you have to like jump and grab, jump and grab, but you don't actually have a cursor to point you're just guessing where an invisible cur- picking those up is one of the things that annoyed me and made me I stopped collecting them I was like this is stupid I'm not doing this yeah. I think I got them all except for the one I, that, stopped. I, was, I just I just wasn't going to go back and I, I didn't know I wasn't I didn't know until later that I wasn't going to get all the audio logs and a lot of that stuff was just poorly designed we've said a lot of bad but I'm not going to spoil exactly what happens, but there was a moment with just an audio log yeah. that gave me actual chills. Like, I didn't jump up, but I was like, like the hair on the back of my neck stood up, and I got the goosebumps, and I was like, wow. Yeah, they, they, did, they did pull off a really, really well-timed uh, audio log. It was called an audio log scare. I don't even think Bioshock, I don't even think Bioshock pulls off an audio log scare. Throughout this entire game, it was a beautiful moment. Yeah, similar to that one you we had in uh, Man of Medan a yeah. while back. Different kind of different kind of scare, but uh, but still like a like a like a, a, a literally a, a a literal moment of genius, and that's why we play so many strange games. Is every now and then you have these one of a kind moments, like Man of Medan. Uh, that developer won't be able to pull that off again. It won't be in their other game. They can't do it again. Who knows if they even did it? Who, on know, who, who knows if they even thought about that? Was that on purpose for them? There's, we have no way of knowing. Nah. But this one in Bendy was on purpose because uh, it's just it, it is just an audio log. But what the audio log accomplishes by the end of it, will, if you're paying attention to the audio logs, it will give you uh, chills. It, it especially works. Excuse me. Especially works in headphones. We play all our games in headphones. If you, yeah, Turtle Beach headphone, any sort of headset. Yeah. So, 
we'll give them credit for that. And that's actually in the first chapter. So you're really going to get, is it the second it's chapter? In, it's, it's, it's near the start of the chapter of chapter two. Because you yeah. don't even meet that character. Because the entirety of the first one, you're just by yourself walking around. And then it gets weird because you yeah. activate the ink machine. Yeah. And then so on. I feel like that kind of blows the... Uh, I wouldn't call that scary. That is a, just a really... Great it's chill. Scary. It's very chill. Like, it kind of... Not, not, not chill as in chill, but chill as in like, oh, that was chilly. That was creepy. Yeah. I feel like that's one of, one of if not the best moment in the game, ironically. Um because nothing like that happens for the rest of the game, and then nothing else is ever really. Most of the scarier of the game, most of the scarier of the game is just because you're running from something, and that and that, that that even that gets boring uh, a lot of the time. And there's nothing more really left of that. I mean, just if you're, you by the, after all that stuff, you're really just playing to see the other characters. I guess there's no. Like I said, the story's kind of moot at a, at a certain point. Like yeah, I, I just you're not really gaining anything from it and then the I don't even remember the ending uh, there's one or two endings I don't even know if you there's a Bendy ending or an Angel Angel Alice ending I don't know it just seemed weird because I chose the Bendy side I thought it I mean it's it means nothing I'm still running from Bendy on the Bendy side so what what's that even mean I don't know that may have not have been their choice they may have been like hey you need to have multiple branching paths in your store like, they may have been an outside well no if they published and developed it then they yeah, wouldn't they, have an outside. No outside influence well then I don't know that was just a bad meeting one day I guess a bad meeting yeah uh, I don't have anything much more to say um, the music mm -hmm. itself is um, like jaunty little what 1930s 40s a little like whistling and like trumpet yeah, tunes kind of like the old uh something the, you can wiggle your finger to yeah if y'all see it it's kind of like the old cartoons and kind of like the look of uh bendy looks like um the style of bendy and his cool cartoons kind of look, if, you, if you've already seen the cuphead recently or the old 1930s and 40s cartoons mm. or the video game cuphead is the general aesthetic of what the bendy cartoons look like kind of everybody's kind of like dancing in place and stuff like that uh, yeah. So yeah, I I don't have much. I have a tiny little bit about the the voice actors, really. Me yeah, go on. Uh, there's a what I mentioned earlier. The voice actress for Lacey Benton, aka Angel Alice, is a woman named uh, Lainey Manella. Uh, she's uh been around. She's been doing a bunch of voice work. I think she started in '92, and she's still going to now. A couple of her bigger things. If more recently is uh, in Smash Brothers, she's the voice of Lucas. In uh, the Darksiders franchise, she's the voice of Tiamat and Silithala, which I think Silithala was only in the first one, but Tiamat has been in a couple of them. She is also in uh, Skyrim, and she's your companion in the um, Lords of the of the Night. Like I'm not, uh, I think it's the 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 warrior companion group. I think that's I what know, I didn't play Skyrim. Yeah. And, and she's also since the beginning, she's been the voice of Ivy Valentine and soul Calibur. Hmm. And on top of all that, she's also the founder and owner of a voice voiceover studio called audio gods with a Z. So she runs that too. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. And another one, I just, cause the dude's popular and I know him, one of the characters in the game is uh, Sean Flynn, and it's voiced by the 
YouTube Twitch dude Jack Septic Eye. He's real popular. Real, he's an Irish popular dude. Yeah, never heard of him. I just, people know him. I thought that was kind of cool. But then the other thing is the majority of the other voice work that literally that wasn't me. That's not Sean or Alice. I think literally everyone else was in-house people. Yeah. To the point that all the audio logs for Joey Drew is of Joey Drew, the actual director of Kindly Beast Studios. Really? Yeah. So he did all of his own audio logs, just kind of wacky. And two, I don't know why they have these names. It must just be their pseudonyms. But the people who wrote and designed the game specifically, one is called Book Past, (laughs) and the other one is called The Meatly. Yeah, the Meatly did the music. Yeah, he he did the music, writing, design, and they said they they did most of the voices. Hmm. Between the two, we talk about people like studios that should do their own in-house voice acting, and everybody, a lot of people probably say when we say that's all, that's not how it works. You can't do, can't do it that way. Yeah, you can. You want to bet? (laughs) Look at look at this. The game is entirely voice acted. There is what fifty or sixty audio logs. I mean, a plethora, at least twenty plus characters. Yeah, and you and then all. I couldn't tell that they weren't professional voice actors. Yeah. Any one of them could have been anybody. It don't matter because it's, I mean, they, they knew and the developers would know what they wanted, especially the anybody. direct, especially the direct director of the game would know the sound he wanted in an audio log and would just do it. And guess what? He did. And he grabbed people around the, grabbed people around the office to just read it read this, read this paper. It's like, but, but don't worry, you know, you can use this and you know, we'll pay you extra money. Because technically you're doing more than one job. So yeah. why wouldn't you want to get extra money? Yeah. It's silly that games, there's just games that exist today without voice acting. I just, I, I just thought that was actually really cool. So we, we've complained about that a bunch, about why there's not. so many games that just don't have voice acting. What are you doing? Like, have one guy do all the voices. I don't care. You know? Exactly. Have him change his tone. Have him do something. I mean, Jesus Christ. It's not, it's not rocket science. People don't want to read anymore. Mm-mm. Anyway, yeah. Sorry about that tangent. I just thought that was because we've complained about it enough before, and the fact that they used in-house people, mostly all in-house people. Except for the only thing I could tell with those two, Sean Flynn, who was Jack guy and the lady. He was probably a friend of the developers. Exactly. Like I said, ask it's your not, friends. It's, it's, ask... Not, it's not, not like you work for the company. You're probably just a friend. Yeah. And you know. Yeah. Or either, either that or he, he, maybe he, maybe they had, you didn't see if they had, they had any previous work, but maybe he just knew of them. Oh, yeah, I didn't see that they did, but so I don't probably know. Probably their first thing, their first major outing. Maybe he knew, maybe, or maybe he was following the, uh, the developer. The development, and then they say, like, hey, can I come out and do, do something? And they, they gave him, gave him a spot to do some, re- do some reading. I mean, it's not like, it's shit, I mean, <laughs> people want to be, want to do stuff. Just, you just got to ask them. Anyway. That's enough about this game. Actually, we got it. We got to hold, hold on to the game. Yeah, we just yeah. We've been on this a little bit too long. Yeah, I have uh, never seen this game on sale on the dig- on the stores digitally. Uh, weirdly enough, I finally found it by accident on GameFly. So I GameFlyed it, and it, you know made made the trip eventually. So I don't know if this ever goes on sale digitally. It's weird because I heard of the game a long time ago and didn't know what it was, and it was never saw it come across the digital store. So if you get uh, lucky, I guess, and see it on a digital store somewhere. I mean, the game is worth. It's probably worth fifteen or twenty bucks. I mean, it's it's got a pretty it's got a okay length to it. I mean, 
chapter three is too long, but everything else is kind of, I think it's worth a good 15 or 20 bucks probably. Just be careful of getting locked up in a glitch like Blake did. Yeah, I know. But, but I think it's worth playing at least. I mean, at least to experience the beginning and the uneasy of the first couple of chapters is, I think, is worth the trip in itself. At the very least, yeah. Yeah. And like the whole game was really like, what, eight hours, 10 hours or less? I have no idea. Also, why do if you can't have voice acting game? Why why is it so hard to put a clock into a video game? Yeah, that too. That's strange. Maybe that's where their budget went. <laughs> they could like, oh, let's not worry about the playtime clock. Let's just keep paying these guys extra. Yeah. Um, are yeah, you ready to move on to our? Yeah, the next game will be will we'll be more Blake. I played the game too, but I uh, no glitch. I uh, literally quit the game out of uh, uh, soul crushing boredom. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, Blake talks about how he went through the rest of the game. Our next game is uh, it's called Destiny Connect TikTok Travelers. It's uh, developed by Nippon Ichi Software, which we, I've spoken about them before. Yeah, I think they're usually a publisher. Yeah. They're, they own Nis America. Mm-hmm. They own them? It says, yeah, they own Nis America. And they're also responsible for the Disgaea franchise, Phantom Brave, as well as a uh, really cool RPG called, it was a musical RPG called Rhapsody. That was back in the day. It was well, PlayStation cool. and DS, the same game. Well, they re-released it on the DS. Yeah. Uh, now, it's a uh, turn-based RPG. Mm-hmm. TRPG, whatever you want to call it. It's a exclusive to... Well, not exclusive. It's only on the PS4 and Switch. Mm-hmm. And it came out uh, October 2019. Now, the game... Uh, uh, unlike... The uh, the last game we spoke about, there is no voice acting exactly. whatsoever in this game, and yeah. it would have helped it immensely because it already it has a like uh, like I didn't, a, I, I didn't know we ironically paired that together. This game not, not not one word of freaking voice acting. There's no excuse. Deepon Itchy does Disgaea, and Disgaea has full blown has has not full blown probably, but Disgaea has voice acting. Hundreds of hours of voice acting because yeah. ga- those games are long there's no literally no excuse for this game not to have any voice acting like it 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 damages this game because it, it already it starts off and even with the uh the art style and everything it has a very uh saturday morning cartoon feel yeah. a little bit of pixar to it i feel yeah like, like it would have made it just even more endearing to have just some voice acting like Mm-hmm. And the game, at least voice the main the main scenes or something, anything. And it was like abrupt when there was a. I can't even, I can't even think about how shocked I was because it does every, actually kind of similar to the opening of Pokemon Sword and Shield, where it does this huge extravaganza and you have all these sound effects, sound effects, explosions going off because they're celebrating. Because the game takes place New Year's Eve 1999, and it goes into 2000, and they're celebrating New Year's with the fireworks, and the camera's painting, and there's music, and then it comes in on the main character, 
dialogue box. Really? What? On the PS4, I'm doing dialogue boxes on a game that came out in 2019? Yeah. This is like, and like a big studio, Nippon Ichi. Like at the very, like, I would have been annoyed, but I was like, at the very least, it could have had like Japanese voice acting or something, something to give me something. Mm-hmm. It's it's a uh, and it was just jarring. Yeah, almost as jarring as the opening of the Pokemon Sword and Shield. Yeah, That's I the was best way to mind blown. For I mean, we already had our Pokemon Sword and Shield podcast. But mind yeah. freaking blown. You think Nippon Ichi ain't got an excuse? You think Nintendo ain't got got an excuse when Pokemon ain't got no voice acting? Game Freak, crazy. Yeah. Like I mean, it's just and it's it's. It was staggering in Pokemon, like it about about fell out the damn chair. Though I complain, like I said, I'm complaining about the no voice acting. Though, like I said, the graphics, the art design, like Drew said, it's kind of like Saturday morning cartoon, Pixar-y. It's really good graphics. I loved the graphics. The music was good too. Very. Were you ever able to find that? No, I did. A, I did do all the. I found. I picked a couple of songs out. This game has a. Um, like I, I mean, I played as much of the game as I played. Uh, when I was doing the music, I listened to all the music. The game has a pretty incredible soundtrack, which I don't remember any of from playing. I remember the battle, the battle theme when I did the battle Being theme. Like battle on the ball scenes were pretty good. Yeah, I remember that. But there's a lot of other songs. Maybe I, maybe I just didn't get to them, or maybe I just, I don't know what that was, what that was about. And then looking at it too, uh, somebody I was looking at some of the comments. Somebody was asking who the composer was, and the. The guy who posted all the uh, posted all the the link all the songs was that he couldn't he searched the whole internet he couldn't find who a composer was it just it just said Nippon Ichi every, everywhere he went huh that's super strange did you find did you find it uh, I actually don't have it wrote down exactly well there's not ain't, ain't, ain't a time to look now but the guy said he looked he's like I searched the internet and all only thing ever says is composer Nippon Ichi and I was like that's weird why don't they give credit to the the person or persons who actually did the soundtracks it's actually a pretty Kind of a banger of a soundtrack, for being, you know, being honest, because it was really, I mean, listening out outside of the game, I was like, I was really digging. I listened to almost the entire thing, because um, I was, I get it out of the way because I didn't find it, but uh, there is a, because I was looking for a specific song, um, because I was playing one night, and a song started playing, which sounded uh, familiar, which is weird to hear a song that sounds familiar in a game you've never played before. Uh, it's because the song uh, was almost uh, exactly uh, note for note, kind of ripped from Final Fantasy VII. Uh, I can't remember the Final Fantasy VII song off the top of my head because I, I didn't find the other song. I was going to find them both and then put my you know write down the names of both songs and try to play them in the podcast, but I could not find the song from Destiny Connect. But I was doing it one night and I was like, "Holy crap, this sounds!" Because I know, believe me, I know Final Fantasy VII backwards and forwards and all that and one of my favorite soundtracks ever and i was able to i got for jessica and blake because i found the final fantasy 7 song on spotify and i was letting the, the, the destiny connect song play and I, I let it play and then i turned i muted it and i played the final fantasy 7 song and it's basically the same song it was strange yes no not basically i mean it was the same song i don't know it was like a nod to that song or what because there's Listening to the soundtrack, some of the other songs kind of sounded like they had the, some of them, not all of them. So they're clearly whoever wrote the music uh, was a fan of Final Fantasy VII because some of the songs sounded like they were, had the same kind of tones and whatever the different instruments and stuff that would have been used to 
uh, for Final Fantasy VII, but that was super strange, and I and I don't want to go on and on about it since I couldn't find the I couldn't find the song, but uh, I assume the song the part of the song that I wanted to hear, which was weird because it was looping in the in the in the game, like it was playing the same same song over and over again, and maybe the song maybe that part of the song when they were looping it was buried in, in another song because a lot of the songs I pulled up were four and five minutes long, which are really really long, so they could have had that part cut out and looped that part somewhere in the game that I just, could, I just couldn't find it. Cause I didn't listen to every five minutes of every single song. There's like 39, 39 songs on that OST. I didn't want to go into... I, mean, I listened to all of them for a minute or two just trying to find that song and I couldn't find it. So that was kind of annoying because I really wanted to post that song in the Final Fantasy VII song, kind of play one then play the other so we can do it. But no luck on that end. I was able to find the composer. Really? This dude didn't look that hard. No, I'm video game music db.net composer is Yuki Nori Ermagawa. Okay, cool. There you mm-hmm. go. Pretty good composer. Obviously a fan of Final Fantasy Seven. Definitely. Anyway, sorry we went on that huge long. <laughs> musical I was always straight that music, that music thing. Well, I mean, we don't talk about music all that much on the podcast, and I like to when the music is good. And this had good. It really did have good music yeah, to I compensate mean, I, I, for the no voice acting. It doesn't make up for no voice acting, but true. Anyway, um, as I said earlier, as I guess it's Saturday morning cartoon vibes. I absolutely adored the creature and character design. They were fairly clever with it, but then it just like RPGs, you're like, oh yeah, that's really clever. And then now there's like, oh now it's palette, palette now it's just a palette swap times. with a silly little name. Like it was. Yeah. Pun, pun, punny names mm-hmm. and color palette swaps, which which is really what was wearing me out on the game, because the I don't know where it goes eventually, but I played quite a few hours and the game was literally going nowhere. You would go to places and fight palette swap enemies, fight a boss, go to the next area, palette swap the enemies, and fight a boss, and the story was the story was doing nothing, absolutely nothing. I was like, what? Why is this happening? Well, I'll get to that right now. Uh, the whole game, the entire game, takes place in a town called Clockney. It takes place in the town and like in the hill countryside or around the town. And at midnight, uh, at January 1st, 2000, the town blows up and time ends. Mm-hmm. Is it blow up? I thought time just froze. Well, time froze because it's going to blow up. Mm-hmm. And the... Um, Oddly enough, the goddess of time is the what froze Clockney. Hmm. And you figure out a couple of other things. I don't want to spoil the story for anyone who does want to play it, but that's kind of what happens. Is it becomes epitomal? Epiphanal? Epitome? It becomes very important. I don't know what <laughs> word I'm trying to find. It becomes, it's very important, Clockney is, because... Once time stops, it kind of opens up a bit of a, I guess, an elevator or something, where so you can travel forward, and back, and back to present time. Eight moments. Elevator? I, I, I thought the robot did that. Well, yeah, but I was trying to like because you don't go, you can't go to anywhere else. You're sticking only in the town you're in, and you can go either to the past, present, or future of this set area. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I was trying to sound smarter than I actually am. Don't judge me. Just they're trying to, trying to chrono trigger it a little bit. Yeah. And 
the game starts with a young girl named uh, Sherry, mm-hmm. who is, I'm fine with the character, but I was annoyed with her, because she's got to be, I mean, I guess they're young, maybe like oh, eight, yeah. nine years old. They're, they're not, I don't think they're double digits, <laughs> I don't think. Well, they're going to school on their own, walking, so they might be 10, but they're not teenagers. They're ages 11 and under. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the thing I find her annoying for one reason, and one reason only, is anytime she refers to her mother or father, it was mama and papa. <laughs> and people don't talk like that, not even in the year 2000. People don't say mama, papa. I don't think. I don't know anyone. I don't know people say mom. Yeah, mom and dad. Yeah. Why that bothers you so much? I don't know why. It just it was just it will that in any time and she talks about her parents a lot. I think dad or something. Well, because they're frozen in time. Okay. And she is a you know, admittedly she is also a scared eleven to nine year old girl with a broken hair dryer as a weapon. Yeah. So I get it, but I just found it kind of it was annoying to have to be referenced so much. And then when you travel forward and backward in time, you do sort of get to interact with her parents. Mm-hmm. And they refer to themselves as mama. And he's like, Papa will take care of you, Sherry. And it was just like, ugh. It was one of those things where, like, you put yourself in the char- in the main character's shoes. And I'm like, I don't want some dude calling me my papa. That's weird. It just, I don't know. It's like, the game itself, I would definitely call, it's like a... My first RPG, RPG for beginners, because it's real simple. It's like a bit of a little bit of uh, it's like well, I was said before. It's like a little bit of Pixar, it's a, a little bit of Earthbound, a little bit of Chrono Trigger. It's like a little bit of every all the all the yeah the known things. Like they knew the they knew what they were going for. I mean, they knew what they were trying to do. So I don't like Earth. I don't really like Earthbound. I don't like Chrono Trigger. Yes, yeah, so I don't know. Maybe that may have been something to do with it, but. You get a, a pretty good roster of characters. You get Shiri, um, and then her best friend, uh, Peg- Pegrio. I think that's how you pronounce it. If you had voice acting, I'd know how to pronounce it. But it's got a lot of E's and O's, so I don't know if the E's are soft or long. Anyway, and then you come across a dude named Truth and another guy named Altana. Mm-hmm. And then you get to the heart of the story. Uh, a, a time traveling robot named Isaac and there's also another character somewhere in the middle named Dr. Bagsdale Cheatstein who may have be responsible for the world ending by accident mm-hmm. with a name like Dr. Bagsdale Cheatstein what do you expect? is that the bad guy for the game? I don't remember he's that. not the bad guy but he's accidentally the antagonist he's very helpful but He's accidentally the antagonist. And there's a like again, it, it follows a lot of the Japanese tropes. Is by the end of it, you're fighting. You, let, let's save the, you know, let's, you know, like how all things start. Oh, let's go get this kitten out of the well. <gasps> let's go kill a god. Mm-hmm. And that's the game does the same thing with a bunch of children. I liked all the characters. I didn't find any of them too super obnoxious. Even Sherry, I, I loved. She was a great character, except for the Mama Papa stuff. But she got out of that eventually because she had to grow up within her weird time that she had going on. 
I don't know. I'm butchering the story. Uh, all the characters are, uh, for their character classes, very well established because they each have a specific style of class. Yeah. Like, she's your damage... Well, she's like... She's your gunner. So she does a lot of, like, boosting and hitting all enemies type damage. Then uh, Peg Pegrio is kind of like your support. He can lay down traps and mines and mm -hmm. boost people's defense and kind of do some healing. And then Truth uses a uh, a guitar, an electric guitar, and he does a lot of elemental damage. He does he'll do a fire strike, ice strike, lightning strike, stuff like that. And then he'll give people that element. <clears throat> and then Altana is the heaviest hitter in the game because he uses this crazy looking future sword. And also, all of these characters are also from different timelines yeah. or different points in time. Yeah. So, I'm it, the story I, itself. Is it Isaac too. And Isaac's in combat. Yeah, Isaac is in combat. He's also the only character you can't swap out mm -hmm. because how how Isaac, like I said, Isaac is the heart of the story. It's one of those things. If Isaac dies in combat, it's game over. Yeah, he's hard to kill though. And Isaac. You find out kind of... If you look at the trophies or anything, you find out Isaac has a, a transformation ability. And he goes through several different transformations. He has his base form where he's just a tank. Takes all sorts of hits. And I'm not going to spoil the other ones for people who want to play, but there's a couple yeah, other you, different change classes. You get them all through the story anyway. So you don't, you don't, I don't think you can miss any of them, can you? There's one that's missable. Okay. Oh, the, okay the, the, the wild beast. But you know, the, the, each one of those covers a a standard thing, like really super fast, high attack, high defense, so on and so forth. But all the classes are pretty good in their own right. Mm -hmm. Now, there's not a whole lot of story, or what story there is, I don't want to ruin because it does have a lot of. It was dragging so hard for me. I, mean, I literally quit the game because it was it was going nowhere for large swaths swaths of time. I literally go here. I said earlier, go here, pallet swap, go here, pallet swap, go here, pallet swap, go here, pallet swap. About six or seven times, I was like, okay, this game has nothing for me. I'm over it. Because the whole point is you're trying to fix Isaac's time machine, then you get it fixed and you travel. Oh, no, we traveled in the wrong direction. We got to find the parts to fix it again or to make it, you know. And it was just a lot of that. And yeah. when there was actual story, it was okay with, like, the goddess of time and... Clockney and its origins and stuff like that. It, it 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 can be cool, but it had a lot of fluff. Yeah. Especially considering you don't go to a lot of places. You go you go to the mall. You go to the countryside. You go to the mall. You go to the you know to the public square near the mall. It's just it wasn't. Yeah. It should have been half as long as it was. Yeah. It made it to a cute, fun, from the happy point, go adventure. From the point where I quit playing and, and how much further Blake played past me, how long it took him to beat the rest of the game, I no regrets quitting because he played almost two or three times longer than I did. Well, they also. Okay. I had to get my thoughts set. I did platinum this game, I did get the platinum trophy. Yeah, I did not, obviously. A <laughs> um, couple of things. Uh, we've raged about this before, is why do level caps exist in games? You level cap at 50 in mm -hmm. this game. For which, no reason? No reason at all. Yeah. 
because the game involves, I guess, for people who love RPGs, they know grinding is necessary. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're, they took it too far for grinding. For something that's so happy, kind of go lucky, and aimed, honestly, I think it was aimed a lot for kids. Or like people, you know, young adults who would know the references, I guess. Yeah. I played for 40 hours. You know, maybe a little less, but I rounded up to 40 hours. 20 of those hours were straight grinding. And yeah. not because the game was difficult by any means. But at the end of the game, there were these, uh, the drop rate for this particular component was really low mm-hmm. in order to fully max out all of Isaac's classes which you don't need to beat the game you can just plow through the game and wreck it but the difficulty was just the grinding and it was like one out of like 20 fights where I would get the enemy that I needed to fight and then there was still like a 50-50 chance of whether it would drop the item that I needed that's awful it was yeah because I even I looked at some of the guides they're like oh yeah the game because there's all this stuff like, oh, you have to kill X amount of enemies with each individual character. You have to deliver the killing blow with that character, so on and so forth. And I didn't read any of the trophy guidance. I just kind of had like a standard walkthrough so I could kind of know where I was going and not miss any of the items. But every actual achievement walkthrough was like, yeah, don't trophy hunt until the end of the game. Because you are going to have to grind for a long time for these gold pieces mm-hmm. or these gold nuggets to <laughs> smelt down. And I, I didn't know that. And I'd already done literally all the grinding. All I was missing at the end of the game was getting the gear. It's obnoxious. And then I still spent like 10 to 15 hours. Like I would turn it on before I go to work in the mornings and run around for like an hour and then, you know, turn it off. And I was just doing that for days. I wouldn't play it when I came home from work because I'd play the actual game I wanted to. So I, I stretched it out longer than I should have. I just sat down and dedicated time to it. But man, if the game was literally just 20 hours and done, or maybe even less, I'd have had a good time with it. Yeah. And I, I still say it's not a bad game. Yeah. But if you're going to get the platinum, if you're a person who does the platinum hunting, probably recommend not doing the platinum. It's, it's, it's a grind. It, do not do any sort of grinding until you're in the final dungeon. Mm. And it will tell you, hey, if we go up here, the game ends. And when you beat it, the game ends. There is no New Game Plus or any of that stuff. The game ends, and you're done. That was the worst part about it, was the grinding. Yeah, I don't I, know. I think the story is probably the worst part about it. I mean, yeah, but the story would be tolerable if I only had I to did, put it in 20 hours. I didn't though. get to the grinding. I couldn't get through the story enough to... Like I, it's... Uh, it's very, very rare that I will quit a, uh, uh, I quit a lot of games because I don't like the way they play or something's like too stupidly hard or just a game's just not fun. But if a, it's kind of sort of rare that the story is so, so dang boring, I just can't take no more of it. Like, I just That doesn't happen often, though. Yeah. Like, I mean, a lot of games have bad stories, but they're like bad but weird, like, or just bad and funny. This one's just... I mean, for the part where I quit was so boring. Like, I just didn't understand why, the why of I was doing anything. And, I, I mean, I had the – people going to flay me for this, but I, I've, I've quit Chrono Trigger so many times because Chrono Trigger's story is so boring. 
you're aimlessly wandering in that game too, just traveling through time, aimlessly wandering. Like nothing. I just had maybe it's for the same reason I didn't like this game. You're just not you're not doing anything. Maybe it all comes together in the end of Chrono Trigger. Maybe it all comes together at the end of Destiny Connect. Maybe it all it's all the maybe both games are back heavy. I guess, but the, like getting through them is too much of a chore for me. I need something. I need something motivating me to move forward in a video game, and these games weren't doing it. De- uh, even without the grinding, uh, Destiny Connect was at least I don't know five hours longer than it needed to be. It should have been like a again, like I said. I love the vibe, the Saturday morning cartoon vibe. The pic- It should have been something that was short and sweet and looked really pretty while doing it. Mm-hmm. But they they messed it up. I don't know. They didn't know. They, they, they tried to do too much. Yeah. The game could have been 10 or 15 hours. and been fine. It'd been fantastic. But yeah, because you could make it 10 or 15. Like, I mean, what was it? Uh, what's that when we played? Uh, Cosmic Star Heroine. Cosmic Star Heroine's 15 hours. That's... Cosmic Star Heroine's 15 hours. If you do everything and go for the platinum, you can beat it faster. If you do everything in that game and go for the platinum, it's 15 hours, maybe less. Yeah. That's a full-fledged, start-to-finish whole game. And it's fantastic the yeah. entire time. and better than this game, for sure. Oh, yeah. So it could be done. People don't act like you can't You can't do an entire RPG in 15 hours. It can be done. So, uh, anyway. Yeah, I I'm I'm, I'm think I'm kind of done with it. It was really not a lot to talk about cuz like I said, it, the story is paper thin and you're going to all these places in past or future to try and fix or upgrade Isaac's and that's the whole plot, I guess. In order to make it back to the epicenter of time stopping of the gears of time stopping so that you can restart time. I guess so. I don't know. We can uh, not uh, I, I we can just skip. <laughs> There's not much more to say about it. Yeah, I guess. Um, what do you say? I oh, usually do Panichi, so they just gay and all that fun stuff. So they're, they're still making games. I think they almost filed for bankruptcy. I think I mentioned it before. Yeah. I think even back when you did Disgaea complete on the podcast a billion episodes ago, I think they had struggled to get the Disgaea series, which is their biggest series, wasn't meeting their sales expectations. Well, yeah, they they talked about um, but now they've announced, but now they've announced Disgaea six. So who knows? Well, they talked about struggling with localization, like they were going to stop doing like voice acting in English and stuff like that, just to try to save. Some, like they they were going to put the games out, but they were going to try to find a way to make it cheaper. I think they're they were cutting back on localization. There goes all the voice acting. Yeah, it'll all be in it'll, Japanese, I'm sure, but it won't. We won't get any in English. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I don't recommend the game, I guess, unless you, like you said, like it plays at my first RPG. If you want a simple RPG to play through in 40 hours. Yeah, or if you got some time on your hands, just, you know, yeah. an RPG uh, to get a, I, I also, say easy, it's just a, it's, it is an easy platinum, it's just a long trudge through the platinum. Uh, also, never seen it on sale on the PlayStation Store, much like uh, Bendy. I've never seen Bendy on sale digitally anywhere. I've never seen Destiny Connect on sale anywhere digitally. Yeah, so you might just want to rent it. I uh, wouldn't pay another, another t- you know, another fifteen twenty dollar range probably for the amount of game you're going to get. Uh, that's all I got for it. I didn't, I didn't care for it. So yeah, we ain't got to. So the last thing we're going to do here is it's uh, Blake's turn to uh, recommend something from him. I think he did a movie last time with Mr. Brooks. I do, I do believe him. So this Brooks. time he's he, uh, he's searched his memory banks and found a uh, TV show he wants to tell you all about. The TV show I'm going to be trying to recommend to you is uh, it's called Eureka. Mm-hmm. 
It is a uh, Sci-Fi Channel original, so that obviously means that it's a sci-fi show that's also got some comedy and some drama and stuff that goes on in it. Mm-hmm. It uh, premiered uh, July 2006 and was ended uh, July 2012. Yeah. Not an ending, though, didn't it? Yeah, it went five seasons, 77 episodes, and a couple of webisodes, and a spinoff show mm-hmm. during all of it. And how, unfortunately... It technically was canceled, mm-hmm. but it was canceled with intent to end. Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, what happened was, is just about every year that it was on air, it got nominated for outstanding visual effects. Yeah, it looks awesome. Yeah. If you know if you know sci-fi shows, they're not really known for their visual effects. But they, they the visual effects looked fantastic. Only problem is, most of the time it was on air was around the same time as Battlestar Galactica. And I think Battlestar Galactica won, won every year and stuff like that. Matter of fact, uh, I was looking at one of the things. It's just a funny little silly side note. Is one of the the first year that it was nominated, it got nominated for its pilot, and for the uh, the Emmys for outstanding visuals, it went Battlestar Galactica, Eureka, Heroes, Rome, and Grey's Anatomy. I don't know why Grey's I because it's for visual effects. Yeah, I guess I don't know, but I don't know why Grey's Anatomy was in there. For like, it seems weird, but I thought that was really funny and strange. Reaching, I guess. I guess, uh, and uh, like I said, it it did it got canceled because it said the it was too expensive to maintain. They had a they had a good audience. Yeah. But wasn't the choices were enough. in the show or cut production values, which might cause them to lose an audience and be canceled later anyway. So they figured yeah. they'd go out on a high note and give an people ending. Don't, people, don't, people don't consider what it costs to make shows ever. People also don't realize uh, one of the bigger examples of cost to popularity, um, Game of Thrones had to be as big as it was. Otherwise, it would have, it would have never continued. It was over a million dollars It was an incredibly expensive show to make. It only survived based off how popular it was. The show had to maintain that popularity. I mean, imagine how stressful those people were making that show. That show had to maintain its popularity level for as long as it did to keep it going. I mean, granted, the show ended on a sour note, but the stress of maintaining that show to the heights it had to be to maintain that, ex- that, that expense... Well, that show is probably staggering for the producers and stuff for that show. But anyway, like Eureka itself would have to maintain the audience to cover the budget it costs to make the show. And if it, the show looked as good as it did, which it did, have a lot of great visual effects, you had to have the audience to back that up. And let's be honest, the audiences for the sci-fi original shows are not not staggering numbers. Unfortunately, They're not Game of Thrones no. numbers, that's for sure. I don't even think it probably wouldn't even get Heroes numbers at the time, probably, because Heroes was really... Heroes had a lot of mainstream popularity. Sorry, my my, my brain was uh, stuck. A really good perfect example of budget to movie costs for TV shows is more recently um, WandaVision, Mm -hmm. a $25 million per episode. What? $25 million per episode. To make it for each episode, yeah. 
Wait, wait, we haven't watched it yet. And neither have I, but that's what they're reporting is the budget is roughly it averages, but we'll say twenty million per episode with all the visual effects and everything that goes in there and the different. I don't even know what the show is about, so I don't know if it's Me visual, visual effects. People heavy. are like, "What? What?" And anyway, I just want to move on. I right. uh, the show is also called in like Canada and Australia and stuff a, a town called Eureka. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Sometimes you just need a longer, fancier title. Yeah, Eureka is the name of the town. Yeah. Um, it takes place in a fictional town called Eureka, but uh, kind of, you don't know this unless you're really paying attention, but there, Eureka is not an uncommon name for cities. There's a, Eure- really. there's a Eureka, Washington, Eureka, Oregon, Eureka, California, and a couple others. Hmm. And... Because of that, the show itself, I didn't find this out until I was reading up on it, the show makes fun of that a little bit because it's, it's several times throughout the show when like someone needs to leave Eureka and travel somewhere, like, oh, it only took them an hour to get to this city in Oregon, but it also only took them 30 minutes to get to this town in California. Oh, it's a running gag. Or it's a running gag, but it also it never says. But fans are theorizing that because of the whole point of Eureka, is almost every citizen or civilian or whatever that lives in Eureka is a certified genius with a doctorate, PhD in some sort of field or multiple fields. Everyone there is a certifiable genius. Everybody. Mm-hmm. And that and the kids are the kids of certifiable geniuses going to enhanced schooling. It's a very, very yeah. smart well, the place. The guy who runs the bakery is a genius baker. I mean, it's just like he invents technology that makes food make itself in different ways of like dehydrating yeah. food and stuff. Uh, he's a town, food scientist. Town mechanic is a genius mechanic. I mean, well, he's a bioelectrical engineer yeah. who builds robots as well as works on cars and tows yeah. them for you. Yeah. Oh, your tires are down. We don't need tires. We'll just involve the anti gravity locks and let you fly around town. Like it's it's it it's silly and whimsical, but it will still punch you in the heart. When you least suspect, it is a wonderful show. Uh, and like I said, most of the civilians and people there, citizens, uh, work at a place called Global Dynamics, which is where they utilize all the technologies and stuff that they make. Mm-hmm. Now, the entire history of Eureka is a well guarded secret from the DOD, the uh, Department of Defense. Mm-hmm. And they use all the experiments and stuff to further military gains and then, you know, slowly feed out to the public for cell phones and advanced technologies. It says it, the, the mythos for the town is responsible for like 83% of the world's advancement in technology mm-hmm. since its founding. Yeah. It's how there's how their thing works for almost all the major te- te- technological breakthroughs at least. And I didn't finish that thought real quick on the multiple different Eurekas is it's said in different episodes. And so people and fans theorize that because of the technology, the town itself actually teleports <laughs> and it's technically in all three or more places at once, whenever they need it to be. It's yeah. just there. It's funny. So that's thought that was kind of funny. Now, um, let me briefly talk about the show creators. Mm-hmm. It's uh, two gentlemen, uh, an Andrew Cosby and a Jamie Paglia. 
unfortunately, they haven't done a whole, whole lot since Eureka, which I find very upsetting considering how enjoyable Eureka is. But let's see here. Andrew Cosby, he's mostly lately a producer, and he has a huge list of credits of being a producer, but it's all in active development or pre-production. It's none of it's actually coming out, which is annoying. But more... A couple of bigger things is uh, he has sole, he's the sole writer for uh, Hellboy 2019. He's the writer of that one, which we haven't got around to. Yeah. Which everyone says is probably the best written Hellboy, but it's no Ron Perlman, so people hated it because it shouldn't have, it should have had Guillermo and Ron Perlman. There's no reason it shouldn't have, but we'll go down that rabbit hole another day. He is also the co founder of Boom Studios. Uh, comics. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And the first one they ever put out was called uh, Zombie Tales, and he wrote that. So the first book they ever put out was his book, and I thought that was kind of a cool... Yeah, Boom's pretty popular. I mean, they're, oh, they're yeah. still around, I think. But that's really about it. Like, everything in his IMDb page and Wikipedia page is a bunch of stuff that just says in pre-production or active development, and I don't want to talk about those because they may not even come to light. Yeah. Which saddens me because how much I enjoyed Eureka. Now the second guy, uh, Jamie Paglia, uh, he's he's written a bunch of stuff, but it's like one episode here, one episode there. His big claim to fame is Eureka, but more recently he's actually written uh, several episodes of The Flash and uh, the Scream TV show. Hmm. He wrote several episodes of those, so that's yeah. pretty cool. We watched the me and Jessica watched the first episode of the Scream TV show. I didn't remember remember her, remember her to go back to that because there was a uh, some. Um, quite staggering violence at the end of the first season of the first Scream Team show, mm-hmm. the Scream TV show. Yeah. It was a scene of uh, some uh, pretty, Sta- pretty staggering, staggering ultra violence. Yeah, it was like, whoa, where did this come from? And some character reveals. And I don't know. I don't even know if that show is still going. And uh, see, one thing I did think was kind of cool for the Jamie Paglia, he has a very, very odd... Um, producer credit that I wanted to talk about. It's called The Teenage Psychic in 2017. Mm-hmm. Doesn't sound that weird until you find out that it is a uh, it's a Taiwanese TV show mm-hmm. for BTS, which is Taiwan uh, Public Television Service. And uh, the it's called The Teenage Psychic and it was adapted from a gentleman named Chen He Yu. It's a short film he called The Busy Young Psychic. And it was um, it's in association with the PTS. It's also HBO Asia original, and it just it was a mini series, six episodes, and they're planning on making a a second, but it's mini series. Mm-hmm. So it's not a, it's just those six episodes and done, and they're going to pick up another one. And I just thought that that was super weird that he has producer credits found, for found something he liked. I don't know. Yeah, I just wanted to bring that up, and. Also, uh, the music for Eureka, the credit music ending and starting credits is Bear McQuarrie. Oh, really? Yeah, he's everywhere. Of, of uh, Walking Dead fame. Oh, and yeah. And he did the soundtrack for the God of War 2018, when, when that game came out? 20, I think 2018. 2018, the God of War game, he did all the music for that. He does... But mo- mostly famous for his Walking Dead time. He also does all the DC stuff. Oh, does he? I think so. I'm pretty sure the he animated does. The animated or the uh, live The live action, the oh, really? Arrowverse stuff. I think he does all that. Because I've, I've, I've seen the name a bunch, and I'm pretty sure I've seen it there. Oh, maybe. maybe. Bear McQuarrie is 
every, I see his name everywhere. Yeah, just like Danny Elfman. He's, he's, he's the go-to guy. He's like, like the, he's like the modern day Danny Elfman pretty much. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if his music's as good as Danny Elfman, but he's the name you see a lot now. Yeah. And so I've given you kind of a brief description of the show, kind of like everyone works. Say what it's about, technically. Well, yeah, I did. It's about a fictional town where yeah, but there's a whole character you. Love the, yeah, play, I, right? I haven't talked about them yet. I'm getting to that now. That's why I wanted to explain the characters. Now, I have a couple of characters here. I'm going to try to go through kind of quickly because there's a bunch of important characters that are in almost every episode, and I've left out some other characters that are reoccurring, like we talked about the baker Vincent. I didn't write any of his information down, but he's in a lot of episodes because he's a real funny character to have. Yeah. But I'm all, I'm going to bang out some of the major ones. Okay. The main character, which is uh, Sheriff Jack Carter, who was played by uh, Colin Ferguson. Now, a couple of things he's been in is uh, he's in the later seasons of another sci-fi show called Haven. He managed to appear in a few episodes of uh, Felicia Day's The Guild as himself, which <laughs> I thought was strange. He's also in later seasons of The Vampire Diaries, because I think all those were on the same time as he was doing Eureka, so he only appears in the later seasons. And he's currently on another show called Cedar Oak. I don't know, I think it's a drama, family drama, I don't know what it is, but Cedar Oak. And his oddest credit is he is the Maytag Man. Like the the appliance Maytag, mm-hmm. he is the Maytag man. Any commercials that they do, and he's the Maytag. Do, are they still doing commercials for that? I don't know. He's the Maytag man. That's all I thought was one of the weirder credits I'd ever <laughs> got the privilege of reading. And uh, one other cool thing is he's he directed a movie in 2013, shortly after he was done with Rico, and it was a sci-fi original movie, and it was a Triassic Attack about zombie dinosaurs. So I'm curious about watching that. That might be super fun. And uh, now that was Jack Carter. Now the next is a uh, Dr. Allison Blake. And she is acted by Sally Richardson Whitefield. Now she's been around for a minute. She was in a movie called The Great White Hype. That stars like Lawrence Fishburne and a whole bunch of people back in the day. It was kind of funny. And then she went on to do... She's in I Am Legend. She's also a... I Am Legend? She, I, thought was, a, I thought it was just, just Will Smith in that movie. No, she she comes in later on in the movie. But she is she's in I Am Legend. Mm-hmm. She also acts opposite. Uh, she's one of his many love interests. In uh, Michael Jai White's Black Dynamite, she plays in that. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was really funny. Have we did Black Dynamite on the podcast yet? I don't know if we have. I need to again. I need to find need a way to make, to make a list. Make a list because uh, Black Dynamite, whether y'all know it or not, is one of the greatest comedies ever written of all time. She's also one of her. This one threw me off. I, I adored it. Was uh, she's in Gargoyles? She does voice work in the cartoon Gargoyles in the '90s, and she's the uh, the detective woman. Oh, really? Detective uh, Elisa 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 Meza. And she's anything that involves her, she's done the voice for her forever. Cool. That's what that was pretty cool. And she's more into directing stuff nowadays than she is into actual acting. And some of the stuff she's directed was she directed um, several episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Luke Cage, and Black Lightning. Wow. As well as a show called Stitchers. It's a time-traveling show 
where you they're just fixing mis- mistakes in time, mm-hmm. and then they're coming back and making sure that all time is correct. They're like time police. I've never heard of that show. Is it's it a called, sci-fi show? I think so. It's just called Stitchers. Never heard of it. As well as that, she's also done uh, directing episodes in The Magicians, Shadowhunters, Doom Patrol, Blackish, The Punisher, Altered Carbon, American Gods. She's really involved with the... A lot of the sci-fi stuff. And more recently, I'm super excited, is she's directing some of the episodes of Will of Time. Oh, wow. She's going to be directing some of the episodes of Will of Time. Wow. It just it just says episode this, and gave me a number. This is why you never judge somebody by their appearance, because she looks like a cheerleader of the year. Like She's, yeah. Like, really, really pretty, really, like, I don't know. Like, you would never, ever in a million years... I think that the stuff she's involved—that's really cool. She does like, you all. You never that. judge anybody by what what they look like because she, I would. That's awesome. And I she's like that and her episodes, the episodes for I believe Blackish and God, Luke she Cage. She's done way more than Eureka. Yeah, but it's all directing. It's all behind the camera stuff. Yeah, yeah, which is great for her. But for Blackish and Luke Cage, the episodes that she directed were nominated for awards, like visual language and stuff like that. She that's was, awesome. It gives us a little bit of hope for Will of Time because Will of Time yeah. could be trash. We'll e we'll see. And one randomly cool, interesting side note is in Gargoyles, any time her character had to do use an alias, like oh hi, I'm so and so, I'm you know, she always went. Her alias name was Sally. Was the actress's name S A L L I Sally? I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. And now we're going to move on. That was Doctor Allison Blake. Now we're moving on to uh, the town mechanic, which is a. Uh, Henry Deacon, mm-hmm. portrayed by Joe Morton, who most people will know as the inventor of Skynet from T2. <laughs> yeah, really, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's literally him. Probably his, his key role in acting, probably. He's also done a bunch of other stuff, uh, as well as he was in Speed with Keanu and Sandra Bullock. He was a cop, and he, were, he has a, a cameo in the second one. He's in uh, The Pest, John Leguizamo's The Pest. He plays The Pest's girlfriend's dad. Okay. He's in there for, he has, he's pretty funny. He's also in uh, American da- uh, Gangster, as well as in the Justice League movie, the Zack Schneider's Justice League and the other Justice League, is he's Silas Stone, Victor Stone's father, uh, Cyborg's dad. Okay. He created Cyborg with, with the help of a boom tube, mother tube box. As well as uh, he's also currently acting in Scandal and God Friended Me. So, uh, drama roles, probably. Yeah. So I thought. I mean, so he's still out there doing doing cool stuff. Like I said, he he goes on a thrill ride. Henry Deacon has a. He's a, a fun character just because his, the, the 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 suit he wears has a label of his job on it, but it's a Velcro label. So he's like, it says mechanic. He'll rip it off and he'll appear. He'll be somewhere else in town and he'll slap on a different label onto his suit. He's like mayor, mechanic. <laughs> At I, one point he does become mayor and he, he, he they go out of the way to make a new patch. A new patch. Yeah, he's just like, he'll zip it off and slap it on there. He's got so many uh, jobs across here. It's, and out of it's a joke or just they want it, they like, they like the actor a bunch. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a comedy thing for sure to have him just appearing all over town as different roles. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah. And he's great. And he's funny. Let's see. And, uh, now we're getting on to another one. Uh, this is, uh, Zoe Carter. She is the daughter of Jack Carter in the show, just so they were clear. And she's played by a, a lady named Jordan Henson. However, more recently, she has changed her name to Jordan Danger. 
I don't know why, but she changed her name and she's sort of stepped away from acting. But she's been, she's, what's rude to say a woman's age? She's in her late 20s, we'll say that. <laughs> she's in her late 20s. She's been acting since she was six years old in commercials and so on and so forth. I'm tired of it. And some like, people, some people don't like it when they grow up. And in hardcore acting, like she started on a Disney show, Disney Channel movie called like So Figure. And she was like a figure skating show mm-hmm. in like 2004 or five. And so major acting, not just commercials, but major acting for like 14 years. So I think non-stop. she's stop. I think she's and literally nonstop. Like I looked at her page from 04 to like 2018, I think was something, two or three things every year. Sometimes TV shows whilst doing a movie. Because mm. she, she does come and go. Because technically, she in the show, she goes to school. And so sometimes she's either just not in a couple of episodes because she's like going on a, an away trip for the school. She's off to college and comes home and visits. So she's doing her own thing at, outside as well as being the character. Yeah. But she actually has some things I'm interested in. Is uh, one of her earlier movies is uh, she actually did it in 2013, right after the show ended. It's called Raging Cajun Redneck Gators, about some uh, uh what do you call it? A tainted moonshine that gets dumped to a lake that causes alligators oh, no, to meet. Another sci-fi movie. And I'm I'd watch that in a heartbeat. <laughs> Uh, but two cooler things more recently uh, was she also stars in Higher Power, that yeah. that cool looking yeah. movie you wanted to watch. It's a, it's a show or a movie? It's a movie, movie, Higher Power. That it looks weird. I wanted to watch it. It was on the same vein as like Upgrade and something else, and I wanted to watch it. Yeah. And uh, she actually uh, she also stars in something called Beyond the Sky and Breaking and Exiting. More recently, 2018. Like, I guess she... Um, but she also actually wrote Beyond the Sky as well as acted in it. Hmm. So she's still in it, but she's nowhere near in it as she used to be. Like I said, that was, it's been two years and she hasn't done anything. She's... I'm done. I'm taking a break. So kudos to her for, you know... You know, you got to have a mental health check every now and again. You got to make sure yeah. you're, you're doing good by yourself. Now... So there's a few more. This guy is actually the president of uh, Global Dynamics. Global Dynamics, yeah. Uh, Nathan Stark, mm-hmm. and he's played by a gentleman named Ed Quinn, and he's two broke girls, mistresses, and True Blood, and currently he's in something called The Oval, where he plays the president of the United States. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize there was this many. Because these are characters are in every single episode. Yeah. Then you have De- Deputy Joe Lupo. She's played by Erica Sierra. And she's more recently... Um, she's in The 100. And she voices someone named Becca and Allie. Allie is an AI and Becca is the creator of the AI. Is that in 100? Mm-hmm, the oh. 100. Then a dude named Fargo, who also voices a house named Sarah, who play who comes in and plays a pretty important role. And then uh, the last one will be uh, only bring him up because I forgot about this show until we were talking about Orphan Black, and he plays Aldous Leakey in Orphan Black. But a gentleman named Matt Frewer, 
Mm-hmm. He plays the uh, town cryptozoologist, Dr. Jim Taggart. I remember that. Yeah. And there, like I said, there's a lot of stuff going on there, and I talked way too long about that. There's so many characters, so many good, talented characters that were doing really good stuff, and I should have left some of these out, but I left out a lot of others, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Need to go over real quick what the what the general show is about real quick if we wrap this up. <laughs> I know I'm so 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 sorry, but I have a brief synopsis here of the the very first episode. Only one episode covers it, but this will get you pulled into it. Uh, the first episode starts with uh, at the time he is a uh, Carter is a U.S. marshal escorting a fugitive criminal back to their home city. The fugitive criminal is his daughter Zoe. What? She ran away from home. Mm. And so he's and she has a bunch of other stuff under her belt. But she ran from home and he's taken her back home. Whilst this is going on, they get into a car wreck outside of a small town. And they go to ask for help and they're allowed into this super secret hidden town that no one's supposed to know exists. While there a catastrophic accident from a tachyon accelerator. I think tachyons are like time particles. <laughs> I think. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, kills a couple. They do a thing where they kill people all the time, but they're no-name characters. So they do take the Doctor Who approach where they kill... Take red shirts. Yeah, red shirts, basically. Yeah, that's a good word. People die all the time. And while this is going on, the reason he's allowed in is because the tachyon particle accelerator has destroyed the shielding that protects the city and allowed him to come in and discover all these secrets so they either kill this guy or they kind of you know as the episode goes on he actually ends up helping them solve the problem of the tachyon accelerator and so on and so forth well you forget that carter is the one person in the town who's not a genius yeah he's just a regular joe schmo yeah Similar to that of Seely Booth in the Bone series, yeah. but uh, he gets there. He we're actually bit, we're a bit like uh, what's his name in uh, Stargate. He reminds me of him, Carter. No, Samantha Carter. He's um, MacGyver. He's uh, I'm blanking too. Oh man, people are yelling at us right now. Because Samantha Carter, Teal'c, Doctor Samuel Jackson. He was played by Kurt Russell in the movie. Here, blinking hard. Oh my word, O'Neill. O'Neill. Oh, Colonel O'Neill. There you go. Yeah, they remind me of each other. Characters. Yeah, a lot. I, I, I'm sure they drew inspiration from it because even kind of like, you know, he's, he's kind of like he got that same type of build too. Mm-hmm. But anyway, he gets in this tachyon accelerated explosion severely uh, incapacitates the current town sheriff, Sheriff Cobb. Mm -hmm. And Jack goes out of his way to save people's lives, help people get involved in the investigation because he is a law enforcement officer and he kind of has to because it's affecting him. And once everything goes on, the incapacitated sheriff, Sheriff Cobb, ends up writing a letter to his to uh, Carter's boss once everything's said and done. And it turns out that just being a sheriff in Eureka is the equivalent for at least the, that current sheriff was a major general. 
So his words pack a lot of influence when he writes a letter of recommendation to have Carter take his place for outstanding job in the fi- you know in yeah. in the field. And so Carter either says yes or no and might get disappeared because he can't know that place exists. Yeah. So he says yes. And then comedy, drama, shenanigans ensues. I don't want to say it's been the wrong words. The show is, uh, in a way, for a little while, it seems to be like almost a monster of the, monster of the week, but not with monsters. It's a what failed experiment happened. Yeah. Is there a, a, a death ray that's been activated they can't shut it off? Is there a new breed of bug flying around, maybe people and stuff like that? Or there's one... <laughs> it's kind of funny because people just start passing out one day and it turns out that part of their contract is because they work for the government at any point in time if they have a certain security clearance or higher at any point in time as long as they're uh, within the contract they're allowed to be experimented on <laughs> and that's part of the comedy of that particular episode yeah it is just uh, there, there becomes more overarching stuff in the later seasons but it, generally it is about the day-to-day issues that happen in the town and how Carter goes about helping and solving them with his not-genius ways. Yeah, I did drone on a little too long about the characters, but they're just, they're good actors, and they're yeah. all... Well, the show wouldn't have long, the show wouldn't have ran as long as it did if it wasn't for, for those characters. Yeah. The show is about the characters. I mean, Granny's got flashy special effects, but special effects don't mean anything if you don't have characters to carry those scenes. And like I said, like I said, all the acting was great. All the visual effects were wonderful. The comedy is there a lot of the time. Uh, lots of uh, guest stars come through. Oh, yeah. Tons. Um, Felicia Day comes through. Uh, for a while. She's a, she's a reoccurring role. Yeah. Um, what's his name? Um, Cyril Figgis. Blank every time. Oh, Chris Parnell. Chris Parnell comes in uh, playing a... And I can't remember the actor's name, but Gaius Baltar of Battlestar fame comes in in the later season, too. Yeah. He does it. And they, and they say there's a spinoff show, Warehouse 13, which is where the warehouse is where they send the, the dangerous and failed experiments to end up in Warehouse. So they don't uh, we, want... We didn't watch Warehouse 13. We kind of wish we kind of could have because it was a direct spinoff of the show. Oh, yeah. How you make a whole show about... A warehouse, unless, it's, unless the show is just more of Eureka. I'm not sure exactly how that show pans out. There's a bit, there's a bit of a crossover when that show comes. I don't know if it backdoor pilots. There's a crossover episode. There's that, several it, crossover episodes. It seems like it's already like they don't they don't seem like they backdoor pilot. They yeah. seem like it just kind of runs. They they run together. Yeah. Was characters like, from the other show come over to they come visit Eureka. It, it, yeah, because at one point, uh, the character who plays uh, Fargo, he in in Warehouse 13's pilot episode. Like he says in one episode, he's like, "Hey, I'm I'm go I gotta go update Warehouse 13," and that's all he says. And he's gone for like two episodes, and then comes back. And those two episodes are the first two episodes of Warehouse 13. Mm-hmm. And he's uh, he like updates their program and stuff like that. Yeah. We haven't watched that show yet. We should. I mean, in the, in the, in and the it didn't. I think it went three seasons. It went as long as Eureka did, and I think it was suffering the same problem. Where it's too high in budget. You too high in budget, even though it had fewer people, but it probably had fewer watchers. I guess I don't know. Yeah, but. Like I said, it's also, like, how fun could that... I, I'm curious about it, though. Because I love the girl, um, Allison... Oh, my word. I um, can't remember the actor. But she's she's been on ID10T and um, Nerdist with Chris Hardwick a bunch of times yeah. talking about Eureka. She was real funny, and she talked about Warehouse 13. I really yeah. enjoyed her. 
add that in the pile of six billion shows we want to watch. I know. Um, I know I didn't do a really great job explaining the show. The show is wonderful. And I do hope that you go and watch it. Yeah. And I unfortunately don't have a, a tagline because it's really hard to find taglines for TV shows. Yeah. But um, I think I'm... I'm done, I guess. Yeah, maybe. And like I said, all the people, I was some of them have connecting things, like just about every single person at one point in time, it, everyone does their Law and Order and CSI stuff, but almost every single one of the people have done a stint, at least in one episode of like Smallville, Alter, Altered Carbon, uh, Dead Like Me, Earthsea, and a bunch of like anything sci-fi related, they're all like within the same pool because they always. They, I'm assuming they like this stuff. They wouldn't yeah. audition for it if they didn't. Um, yeah, you do the CSIs if, if you need a paycheck. Yeah. Um. I think I'm done. Yeah, that's all right. I mean, I don't, I don't have anything else. Uh, I mean, I don't think the explain the show too well. But... I know. I because I was so caught up in talking about how good the actors were, and I'm you failed. I know. I really did fail. I got too caught up in talking about the actors. Is a, and, and not talking about the show itself. Please, please watch Eureka. It's streaming right now. I've seen it streaming on different different services. I was scrolling through. I, actually, I was scrolling through uh, uh, Prime the other day looking for a movie, and then I stumbled like Eureka was on Prime. I was like, oh, cool. There it is. And it's easy. It's only 77 episodes. It's really easy. Yeah. It's really easy to watch. It's really good. Yeah. Anyway, that's all I got. And I want to wish everybody a good evening and good night.